Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Spooky Psych. Welcome back. And if you're new here, hi, welcome for the first time. Thanks for being here. How you doing today? How you doing? What's going on, Greece? <laughs> Once again, what up to uh, Greece, the country, and our listeners who live there? Lauren, would you like to share why we're specifically shouting out <laughs> Greece today? Greece. Um, yes. So we found out because we learned that there's like a website where you can figure out like where you rank um, podcast wise. And in Greece, we are number 62 in the top 100 true crime podcasts. Yes. And is that iTunes rankings? Uh, Spotify. Spotify rankings. So wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Greece. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Glad to have you guys here. It's always, Lauren, I don't know about you, but like I always just assume that nobody actually listens. Yes. And whenever anyone's like, yeah, like, I like that episode or whatever, I'm like, so someone does listen. (laughs) Very curious. When it's people that we actually know in real life that have, like, never, I know one of my friends from grad school posted something, and I was like, I actually have a whole podcast episode about this that you might want to check out. She's like, girl, you know I subscribe and listen to every episode. I'm like, I had no idea. And it Please was like, tell us, because oh. we're convinced nobody listens. We just, we're just doing this for us, really, and then when other people listen, that's kind of cool, but also weird. Startling. It is weird that we have fans. Yes. Do we... Does anybody really consider themselves a fan? Or a spooky peep. A spooky person? Or spooky peeps. Yeah. Spooky peeps. Yeah. My brother told me he listens. He does? Mm -hmm. That's That is very nice. I was like, I am honored. Thank you. He did show up strongly at our live shows, though. That is true. What's up, Lincoln? What up, Lincoln? My sister listens. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kate. She specifically Kate. said it's weird when we talk about her on the podcast. We will do it as much as possible now. <laughs> so in typical little sister mode, I will continue to do this forever and ever. I don't think my brother listens, though. Jack. He's supportive. He's just not super into creepy stuff. It's just like not his thing. So I think he did. He came to our first live show. He said. So he, he supports us. He just... Maybe doesn't want to actually, which is valid. He does, no one has to listen if they no. don't want to. We're not going to force anyone to listen to our podcast. Or will we? We're going to. <coughs> <laughs> new plan. <coughs> Sorry. Bless Easy. You. Um, so Thank is you. it COVID? It's not COVID. It is allergies. <laughs> I, I have such bad allergies. Like I have to take two different allergy medications every day year round. And I've been sneezing a lot lately, and, like, man, like, every time I sneeze during a session, my clients are like, do you have COVID or, like, in the grocery store? Can you imagine if, like, that's just, like, how you notify people? Like, yes, as you can see for yourself, I have the COVID. I mean, to be fair, I'm not seeing them in person, so even if I did have COVID, it's, like, very little impact on you. We're through a screen, like, you were fine. We're good. But I had a stranger in the grocery store compliment me on sneezing into my mask. 
They're like, great job mm. sneezing into your mask. I was like, thank you. I don't it's like uncomfortable, it. Uncomfortable. I'm doing I this just, for humanity. I just didn't do anything. The mask was on my face, and I didn't take it off to sneeze. But I've heard that people are doing that. Weird. Which defeats the purpose. If you are in an area that mandates that you wear masks in public, just don't take it off when you sneeze. Keep it on, please. Keep it on. And if you live somewhere that doesn't require masks, maybe consider one. I don't know. I don't know. Just a tip. Just pro tip. Wear a mask. Anyway. Yeah. Back to spooky stuff. Back Um, to... Spooky, spooky things. We have a very interesting topic today, I would say. We do. Also, Lauren, I don't know if you'd agree with me, some of the most depressing research I've ever done yes, here. Yes, it was difficult reading some of this, for sure. Yes, it really was. And actually, this is going to be a two-part episode. Ba-ba-da. So you are now listening to part one. Yep. Part two will be the next episode we release. And unlike our two-part prison episode, I think the second part is actually going to come quickly. (laughs) I forgot about that. We dropped the ball on that. So if you've been waiting on that, it'll come around again. Eventually. We'll get there. But this one is very much a part one and two are going to come right after each other. So Mm -hmm. please check out the next one because we are... Breaking down the psychology of stalkers. Boop, boop, boop. So this one, it's going to be different. In this episode, we're really going to talk specifically about the stalkers. And we're not going to go into specific stories. We'll talk about stalkers and media representation and that kind of stuff. And then in our next episode, we are going to be talking about the victims of yes. stalking. So I reached out to... A bunch of groups that I'm in and asked for stories. I have gotten so many of them and a lot of people said like, hey, thank you so much for giving us an outlet to, you know, express this and really share our stories. So because it seems like some we got some people who really want to share, we decided that didn't want to just kind of throw them into this episode really deserves its own episode in its entirety. So next episode, you're going to be getting Probably some famous stories and also some stories from, like, real regular people about their experience with stalking. Um, All anonymous. Um, You know, we we will keep your confidentiality. Right. Um, And also, we really, really appreciate your vulnerability. I know these things are not easy to talk about. And I know in society, a lot of times people will minimize the experience and not validate what you guys have gone through. And really, we want to create a space for that where it's validated. We're going to back it up with psychological evidence and studies to show why it's a legitimate concern. And ultimately, what it comes down to is that not only do we minimize stalking we play it off like a joke we play it off like it's romantic Mm -hmm. and oftentimes we don't acknowledge that there is a full spectrum of behaviors that fall under the stalking umbrella and i think sometimes you know we think if it's not on the most extreme end it's not a problem right but 
I mean, just like there's a whole range of behaviors that are considered sexual assault, it's all a problem. It doesn't matter yes. the specifics. It's not like one thing is, you know, oh, at least this didn't happen. Like, no, it's terrible across the board. For sure. And um, as many of you probably have watched at this point, there's a show called You on Netflix. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode. But I have so many problems with this show. Mm -hmm. But so. also, it's such a good show. I know. We're just like, ooh. And I think, like that. Uh, and we'll talk about it more at the end, but if you are interested in learning more about Stalkers, I would actually really recommend watching you if you haven't already, because it's all from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. Um, it's really scary, but I do think a lot of things that the narration says, like, track psychologically speaking totally. with stalkers. So it's very realistic, which I think is why it's so awful. Um, so massive trigger warning on that show yeah. uh, for lots of things. No spoilers, but if you have any trauma, it's probably represented in that show across yep. the board. Um, and no combat speaking trauma, of though. combat trauma is not a part of it, but other than combat, pretty much everything all of it is involved. Um, and speaking and of trauma, we definitely want to sprinkle some major trigger warnings as we get into this. Yes. Um, I think a lot of times, especially with stalking, many people don't realize that they had a stalking experience until they hear about like the definition of it and examples of it. So if you realize after listening to this episode that you have gone through this, um, we definitely will link some resources and things like that. We will absolutely be linking some resources and some of the things that um, we'll talk about what Rain in their Stalking Resource Center recommends to do if you're being mm -hmm. stalked, but also check out the Rain website. That's R-A-I-N-N. N. They have a stalking resource center, so please view that for information if you have realized that you've been stalked. Check that out. Absolutely. And um, also consider therapy if necessary. Yes, because it's, it's a problem. We want to help you find solutions and feel I, safe. I feel like consider therapy should just be the tagline yeah. of this podcast. It's like, but also, no matter what, just consider it. Consider really. it. That'd be good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, should we get into it? Oh, well, I guess with trigger warnings, we're talking about stalking. Um, we will touch on just boundary violations in general, a little bit of sexual assault. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I will be talking about femicide, which is the murder of women. Okay. So, so that too. <laughs> murder, domestic violence. Also, trigger warning for that all the ones so yeah just be aware if this isn't a good day for you to listen to this try a different time or not at all no big deal yeah and you know we really never take these podcasts down so uh it's not a good day for you that's fine you can listen later we're here yeah. for you whenever yep we'll be around we are always here for you <laughs> not in a creepy way. <laughs> not in a creepy way. Not in a creepy way. We're just going to stay here on wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, with that boundaries is, in place. With boundaries. But you are you are free to listen to us at any point in time. 
Yes. Okay. So why don't we get into it? So basically, you might be wondering, what is stalking? So let's start with the legal definition. Um, So it is the act or crime of willfully and repeatedly following or harassing another person in circumstances that would cause a reasonable person to fear injury or death, especially because of expressed or implied threats. Um, stalking is a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. Unlike other crimes that involve a single incident, stalking is a pattern of behavior. It is often made up of individual acts that could, by themselves, seem harmless or non-criminal. That's a really important part. But when taken in the context of the stalking situation, it could constitute criminal acts. Legal definitions of stalking differ depending on where you are, so where you live. However, stalking is a crime under all 50 states, uh, the District of Columbia and U.S. territories and the federal government. Stalking is serious, often violent, and can escalate over time. And just a note on that, stalking is illegal in all 50 states in the U.S.A., However, the first stalking law was not put in, I believe, until the 1990s. So, in terms of crime, fairly recent that it was actually made illegal, as it should be. Um, There are lots of issues with the legal definition, which I'll get into with some statistics Mm -hmm. later, but it is illegal to stalk someone. Absolutely. And I I think it's important to share what the legal definition is because you can kind of outline like where the loopholes are and why it's problematic. Right. And again, the fact that in and of themselves, these acts may or may not be creepy. Yep. Depending on the situation. So it it can be murky legally. Still terrible. Still terrible nonetheless. So I also wanted to um, share with you guys, like, from a practical perspective, what stalking looks like. Um, This is from loveisrespect.org. I really like this website. Um, I just wanted to give it a shout out. Um, But anyway, so what stalking looks like is a person showing up at your home or place of work unannounced or uninvited. Uh, They send you unwanted text messages, letters, emails, and voicemails. They leave unwanted items, gifts, or flowers. They constantly call you and hang up. They use social networking sites and technology to track you. They spread rumors about you via the internet or word of mouth. Uh, Make unwanted phone calls to you. Call your employer or professor. Wait at places you hang out. Use other people as resources to investigate your life. For example, looking at your Facebook page through someone else's page or befriending your friends in order to get more information about you damage your home, car, or other property. And just a personal note, I strongly encourage all of you to stop saying that you stalk people on Facebook or Instagram. If you meet someone and you are just casually looking through their page at everything that they're making public, just to like, you know, I know um, when I met my now husband i definitely looked on his facebook page to see if he was single or not because it didn't come up in conversation however a quick scroll through all of the information he had chosen to post is not stalking behavior um i think it, it can be normal to look at somebody's page 
that you just met, there is a difference between like looking at publicly available information and going through friends of friends of friends of friends and trying to figure out like, oh, where are they at? That's stalking. So try your best. I feel like colloquially using like stalking, like, oh, I'm such a Facebook stalker just because you like try to figure out that guy from class who you think is cute's name. Like it is, I mean, it's a little, kind of weird but it's kind of weird but it it to a point is socially appropriate to do right we're not to do so and they could also reject your friend request too you know so there's still like boundaries in place you know request and you drop it you're not stalking them if they reject your friend request and you repeatedly go through their page to figure out where they're gonna be to try to meet up with them that is stalking or make a fake like profile and add them like that, that qualifies that, as yeah <laughs> so like, you know i i think the colloquial use downplays how serious it is and i hear people all the time like oh i'm such a facebook stalker and it's I like looking through britney spears's public instagram does not make you a stalker it makes you somebody who wants to see her page and she did have a real stalker so like it downplays the significance right well, and, you know, just to kind of give you guys, like, an example, um, kind of using what stalking looks like, just because it, it, you know, you may hear this and be like, okay, I don't know what that even would look like. Um, and obviously, we're going to get into the stories next time. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a very vague example of my own life um, <laughs> that happened during undergrad. Um, so, essentially, there is a person that was in one of my classes and essentially what they did is they were sending me stuff like gifts um over an extended period of time and they also um tried to get close with like one of my friends um in order to get more information like my mailbox information i didn't even know i had a mailbox at the time in the psychology department (laughs) but found out that interesting yeah we all did i had no idea until somebody told me to go check because they left something in there um and it was one of those things where uh you know it was a lot of just unwanted messages unwanted um presents i'm pretty sure i had a boyfriend at the time like it was just very unwanted um they seemed to show up at a lot of places that i was at and were just all over my social media um, and obviously it didn't escalate to a place where it was dangerous, but it definitely was unwanted. Um, and, you know, as I've gotten farther in my career, kind of looking hindsight into it, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that was kind of like disturbing that it happened and that it was encouraged right. by and other people. I mean, I'll throw out a vague example from my own life as well also just showing how prevalent this actually is that we both like instantly Mm -hmm. came up with stuff when we were planning this episode um gonna keep it super super vague but when i was a i i must have been 14 15 somewhere in there as a young teenager i met somebody at a party Um, with some friends, friend of a friend, like really nothing weird or anything. But after I met them, they were interested in me. I really had no interest in dating at the time. So I was like, no, Um, but thanks. So 
they got my email and phone number from my friends. And this was when we Mm -hmm. had MySpace, just to clarify. So there were a lot of MySpace messages. They got my AIM as well. Um, Got tons of AIMs from them. And I'm talking like hundreds a day between AIM and MySpace. And then, you know, we didn't have cell phones calling my house. And I kept, they kept asking me out. I kept saying no. And then at one point in time, they called my house phone. I think it was like 75 times in two hours. Um, so again, there's the difference. It wasn't just like they were looking at my pages. They were looking and messaging and talking to people to get information. Um, it did end when a male family member of mine got very concerned about the situation, answered the phone, and said lots of things that were terrifying. I don't quite remember what they were, um, but they did pretty much leave me alone after that. But even then, and to clarify, this person was younger than me, so some of this behavior can start pretty young, but it's like, it's not just passively looking to try to get information that's publicly out there. It's using the social circle to get information on how to contact you. And then in that case, trying to bully me into dating them. Right. I also think it's one of those things where like your body definitely sends you a lot of messages about if something's right or wrong. And if your natural response to seeing somebody is like fear and like wanting to avoid them, like that's enough right. for me. Listen to you your know? gut and also just pro-life tip. You should want to date people that freely and enthusiastically want to date you. Um, I don't understand the urge yes. to bully someone into dating you. It's not going to go well. Like, if good. they don't want to date you, it sucks. Like, be sad. Eat some ice cream. Watch mm-hmm. some movies. Bitch to your friends. Don't call them 75 times, though. It's not going to go well. That's not going to be, like, things, and we'll talk about rom-com tropes, but, like, not real. It does not work that way. Not real. Does not apply. Right. Anyway. (laughs) This is heavy. But anyway, so the psychology of stalking behavior. So, like, obviously we want to get into the psychology of it. why do people think this is a good idea? Um, we gotta tell you. Yeah, why? We're gonna tell you. So there's this really badass researcher named Katrina Baum at the National Institute of Justice in Washington, and she conducted a national stalking victimization study um, in 2009. So victims were asked what they thought motivated their stalkers to pursue them. So of, listen to this, the 3 million 416,460 victims, 36.6% considered stalker motivations as retaliation, anger, or spite, 32.9% replied control, and 23.4% said mental illness or emotional instability. Um, and as I was kind of researching this, a, a major downfall downfall of this study in my opinion is that they asked the victims what the motivations would be instead of the perpetrators because as a victim we don't really know like what's motivating the person like we can guess but i feel like talking to the perpetrator may have been a better 
use of right. study. And although probably harder to get a hold of. Be like, hello, have you ever stalked yeah. anyone? And a lot of the research that we have from the stalker's perspective, they are in jail. That's how we get to them. Um, it's pretty easy to, if somebody has been charged and convicted of stalking, to conclude that they have stalked someone and get them to interview versus just sending out a survey like, hello, have you ever stalked anyone? I don't think that many um, stalkers would necessarily... Well, there is one subtype that knows what they're doing. We'll get into that. We'll get into yeah. that. Well, and also stalkers, just, like, even just, like, the awareness of, like, oh, like, I'm stalking people. Like, this is a stalking behavior. I don't know if they have that type mm-hmm. of introspection. Yeah. Some might. <laughs> so. Some might. But not us. Some may not. Um, so I think we have this perception that stalkers um, might be hallucinating or delusional. There is a subtype of stalkers that could be delusional. It's called erotomania, which is when you have a delusion that somebody, usually a famous person, is in love with you. Um, So there was... Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember uh, the specific... I read so much about stalkers the past few weeks that, like, I should have put my examples in here because they're all blurring together in my mind. But there was, I can't remember which actor, um, but a famous man who a woman kept breaking into his house because she... Oh, Orlando Bloom? is an older actor. But she genuinely believed that she was his wife and was carrying his child. Um, So in that case, I don't think she was even pregnant. Um, so that would be a delusion. She had a delusion that this celebrity that she had never met was in love with her and that they were in a committed relationship, which they were not. Um, so that can happen. Most stalkers are not delusional, though. Many do have some form of mental illness, which is often depression, substance abuse, or personality disorders. Um, it's not a disorder itself. It's a series. It's an umbrella of behaviors is really what it is. Mm-hmm. So there's a 2012 study published in the Journal of Aggression and Violent Behavior, which, man, I want to get that journal. That sounds like quite the thing. Um, they said motivations for stalking include a delusional belief in romantic destiny. So that would be like the erotomania, like you believe the person is in love with you even though you've never met them or have had very little interaction with them. Um, A desire to reclaim a prior relationship, a sadistic urge to torment the victim, or a psychotic over-identification with the victim and the desire to replace him or her. Stalkers are found to have a variety of diagnoses, including some psychotic disorders, again, rare but does happen, personality disorders, narcissistic personality disorder is a big one, and then erotomania, which is the belief that another person, often a prestigious person, is in love with you. Um, so, more research. Super fun. I'm glad that people listen to the podcast because that does imply that there are more research nerds out there and that we're not alone. Yeah. Love studies. Um, love studies. So, there is a researcher by the name of Galietta. 
Um, according to the research, people with substance use disorders are often prone to stalking. One study that they co-authored, which used a pool of 137 stalking offenders on probation in New York City, found that Ooh. half had a substance use disorder and half had a personality disorder. I would be curious how many were comorbid. I would be curious about that, too. Half and half that. does not mean that half had this and the other half had that. There's probably a decent overlap between the people who had the personality disorder and the substance use disorder. Um, because personality totally. and substance use disorders are often comorbid. So, comorbid. curious, but there was a paywall. Sorry, guys. Could not get the research. Uh, a paywall is when you have to pay to subscribe to the journal in order to get access to the full article. Um, but if you become a Patreon member, just we'll be able to have access so to the research. Start paying for these articles, so we can get more information. <laughs> um, so, some statistics that pop up, like a 2014 survey published by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, eighty percent of stalkers said that they knew there's the person they were stalking in some way. So, pretty rare for stranger stalking, but it absolutely does happen. Um, there's totally. some evidence that stalkers are often men in their 30s, and their victims are younger women. Oh. Not always. Um, other studies have found like common factors are anger and insecurity stemming from childhood and impulsivity. Impulsivity absolutely makes sense in stalking behavior. Um so does trauma. Totally. Again, most people who have childhood trauma are not going to stalk, rape, or murder anyone. We hear those statistics a lot. Um, it does right. make you more likely to do certain things but that than people who did not experience the trauma, but it's still very unlikely that you will. I always like to throw that caveat onto people whenever we talk about childhood trauma, because most people have yeah. childhood trauma, and most people do not do these things. Um, other just kind of factors are narrow interests with like very few hobbies so they don't like do hmm. a lot of things um, very little activity often few social interactions so they tend to be isolated and they tend to not be doing a lot of things um, there is some suggestion that a lot of stalkers are unemployed uh, but that has more to do with the mm. amount of time and effort it actually takes to stalk someone, particularly if you're looking at in-the-world stalking versus online stalking. Um, it can take up quite a bit of time, so they often do not have jobs or have flexible jobs or jobs with weird hours so that they're able to have enough time to stalk someone. Um, but lots of people with these predispositions don't actually stalk. Stalking behavior is often triggered by a life event like a breakup, firing, arrest, or rejection. Um, now, we want to get into the first batch of found, stalker subtypes. So we found, we found a couple different batches. researchers <laughs> categorizing them differently. So we're just going to throw it all at you. And you guys can decide which subtypes you, you like better. You so uh, this first batch um, was from Paul Mullen, and here are the subtypes. So the first type is rejected. So 
in this example, they were rejected, had a relationship end, and is seeking revenge. Therapy focus is how to fall out of love and move on. Then there's the intimacy seeker. So they identify a person as their true love and behave as if they are in a relationship with that person and believe that it's reciprocal. And the therapy focus is often on underlying mental illness and working on avoiding isolation. Um, there's the incompetent type. Um, and this type is similar to the intimacy seeker, however, knows the person does not reciprocate. So that's the major that's difference. That's the one that I feel like might be the most likely to know that they're stalking someone because they fully acknowledge the person is not interested and their advances are unwanted, but they keep going. Right. I agree. Then there's the resentful type. Um, they respond to a a perceived insult or injury by actions aimed not just at revenge, but at vindication. The stalking is an act of vengeance. So, you would, it's starting to get more aggressive here. The next one is predatory. Um, they pursue their desires for sexual gratification and control. The stalking is a rehearsal for the stalker's violent sexual fantasies and a partial satisfaction of voyeuristic and sadistic desires. So obviously that subtype is the one that I think legally is taken most seriously, but all of these types are, you know, disturbing in and of themselves. Right. Um, so now... We're going to go with, uh, this is Dr. Ronald Holmes. He's a professor of criminology. These are his proposed categories of stalkers, plus a bonus category that Dale Hartley, who wrote an article about Ronald Holmes categories that he suggested should be added. So this is Throwing it in there. One re- so, you know, we're just going all in on the categories of stalkers, really to show you just what variety of stalking behaviors there are. Yep. So, Ronald Holmes, these are his categories. The first is domestic, which is stalking a former spouse or paramour. This is by far the most common. I believe that. Stalking. Um, A lot of people are stalked by their exes. Um, This happens on catfish a lot. It happens on catfish a lot, and also uh, very... The statistics are terrifying for people who are being stalked, and I am sorry for that, but this is information that you need to know. Domestic stalking is also incredibly dangerous. So being stalked by an ex, statistically speaking, can escalate to violence quite a bit. I'll throw statistics at you a bit later. Um, Lust, serial predators who stalk victim after victim... Um, kind of a precursor to serial rapists and murderers. So some people who just continuously stalk people because of lust and they may or may not go on to murder them. Um, so they had Ted Bundy listed as an example of this. I believe this would be like early Ted Bundy sure. behavior, like before he started killing people. I think once you're killing people, then you go into a different category of stalker, um, because then you are murdering them at the end of it. Okay, so we have love scorned. So these are people who desire an intimate relationship with the victim, but they are rebuffed. Um, The erotomania that I was talking about is a subtype of the love scorned, and they say that this 
um, stalker is usually female. Good news, I put it in a different slide. It was David Letterman was the celebrity who had a stalker that kept breaking into his property um, and his car claiming to be his wife. Um, she was not his wife. But that's a love scorn type. I will say that, you know, even though they're typically female, men still do fall into this love scorned category where they want to be with this person, but they're not. Um, celebrity stalkers. They're people who stalk famous people. That's pretty straightforward. Um, a lot of famous people have had stalkers. We'll probably plug some of those stories mm -hmm. in the next episode. So we'll do some famous and some not famous. Just get a whole view. Political stalkers who are stalking motivated on political beliefs. So that's an interesting one. I'm going to have to look up some stories on that. Yeah. Um, but that could definitely be people who go on to commit like political assassinations may start with stalking. Mm -hmm. um, and then an interesting category, the hit or murder for hire. So stalking of a victim by a hired killer in order to commit a murder, yeah. which I mean, a lot of, yeah, a lot of times if you are attempting to murder somebody, you do have to know where they are, mm -hmm. which lends to stalking, knowing their patterns. Um, most serial killers have a stalking element in terms of getting victims alone. Bundy did as well. To a certain extent, he sometimes stalked, but also sometimes he just, like, took advantage of situations sure. and pretended that his arms or legs were broken and that he needed to hitch a- he needed help hitching a boat. I feel like Golden State Killer would be a good example. Right, Golden State Killer, who- Dun, 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 was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole yeah. within the last week. It'll be a couple weeks old by the time this airs, but Hallelujah. it's exciting. So exciting. Also, did you see the video of him in his prison cell? No. I He's like aggressively cleaning and like climbing up on furniture. He's a very agile old man. Like a spider. Right? But also like Makes sense because of the things he was like, like jumping, jumping over, over fences. fences yeah. and stuff. He's a very physically fit, terrible human being. What a freak. Um, anyway. The worst. Um, and just throwing this out there. So this is the category that Dale Hartley wanted added is revenge. Hmm. So an angry former employee... Business partner, resentful neighbor, vindictive, or any person, usually know the victim, who is stalking for payback. They're trying to scare them. Um, they specifically mention uh, Cape Fear, which I haven't specifically seen, no. but um, where the lawyer, he's stalking the lawyer who represented him at trial. So this can definitely happen to intimidate witnesses in court cases. It's not that. always revenge for breaking up with people there are lots of reasons people stalk out of revenge right so um so another thing that i wanted to share with you guys is how stalkers utilize manipulation to get what they want um so manipulation is one of a stalker's greatest tools particularly with an x and here are a few examples so one they'll guilt you or Invent emergencies to elicit sympathy. An example of this is, why are you doing this to me? Don't you care about me? Another one is they make empty promises to prolong contact. 
For example, this is the last time I swear I just need closure. Uh, the next one is they'll resort to blackmail, no matter how far of a stretch. For example, I'll tell your boss about the time you called in sick. They play on your insecurities and make unfounded accusations. An example is you don't care about anyone but yourself. Another one is they'll twist your words around to suit their agenda. So an example of that would be, I know you really do love me and that your friends are just trying to brainwash you against me. And the last one is they'll give you expensive or elaborate gifts with strings attached. An example of that is after all I've done for you, dot, dot, dot. Um, So you can kind of see how this is super manipulative. Um, The one that really sticks out to me that I've heard a lot, especially, you know, just working with clients is when uh, people use the, um, the empty promises tactic. So the example for that was, you know, this is the last time I swear I just need closure, but they continue to make excuses to try to see you. Um, Another thing that, you know, we want to touch on briefly, but we're going to get into more during the next segment is how stalking impacts victims. So part of the problem stems from the lack of agreement over what constitutes as stalking behavior in the first place. Um, so despite efforts by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to recognize stalking as a form of partnership violence, laws pertaining to stalker behavior vary widely from place to place, and getting police protection is often impossible for many potential victims until it's too late, and we've heard this story many, many times. Um, researchers have consistently shown that being stalked can produce post-traumatic stress, whether it is in-person stalking or the online equivalent. Even when dealing with cyber-stalking alone, studies show that victims are far more likely to report depressive and somatic symptoms, sleep problems, and generally generally lower well-being than non-victims. Victims are also far more likely to take defensive actions. An example of that would be taking time off from work or school, changing jobs or schools, and even moving away from family and friends to avoid contact with their stalker. So it really heavily, you know, can impact victims um, because they're spending a lot of time trying to reestablish safety in their world. Um... Then this next piece I wanted to share with y'all is um, the Midwestern University study. So this was conducted by Christina Dardis of Townsend University and then a team of researchers um, at Midwestern. And they recruited over 330 women age 18 and over from a pool of psychology undergrads at Midwestern University. So much research is done by psychology undergrads. I feel like it's. I would be curious to see like long term statistics on the fact that psychology undergrads are probably one of the most overrepresented yep. in research. And I don't know how much we can really like say that data sticks to everyone. Mm-hmm. Because just saying, I saw this a uh, great meme that I almost sent you Mm -hmm. the other day that was one of those like talking to my therapist you know Uh and the therapist just goes listen nobody becomes a social worker because of how well their life is going (laughs) (laughs) 
Which is kind of also true for psychology. So I do yeah. wonder if things are like more common in psych undergrads because they often have something that led them yeah, to it. Yeah, it's very possible. I think that's a good theory. It's just something I think about because almost every study is done in psychology undergrads sorry. <laughs> for extra credit in your classes. Yeah. Almost always for extra credit every once in a while for a Chipotle gift card or something. Which is very exciting. Preferable, really. I would love. Now I want Chipotle. I don't know. I'm starving. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so in this study, um, what they did is they concealed the real purpose of it. And all participants completed an online survey titled, What Happens When Your Relationship Ends? Along with collecting the demographic data and the survey contained items from inventories measuring um, in-person unwanted pursuit. Um, and so based on a 26-item measure used in previous studies, participants were asked how often they experienced unsolicited contact behaviors, aka stalking. Ranging from relatively minor actions, such as wait outside of your home, work, or school, to more serious examples, including cause harm to someone close to you or your pet. Um, and a couple things that were looked at were cyber unwanted pursuit. Uh, based on an 18-item research instrument measuring cyber harassment, participants were asked items such as did they use a webcam to monitor your activities, as well as items relating to threatening calls, emails, or posts, checking on ex-partners by using their password, excessive phone calls, emails, etc. Um, the follow-up in-person and cyber-unwanted pursuit items were when participants endorsed items relating to experiencing unwanted pursuit they were then asked to complete items describing the extent to which this harassment made them feel frightened or annoyed. Um, there is a history of physical, sexual, or psychological victimization. Participants completed items describing different forms of abuse with higher totals reflecting the degree of victimization. There was uh, post-traumatic abuse symptoms, so participants were asked items related to the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder as measured by the latest edition of the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, the DSM-5. This included symptoms such as flashbacks, avoidance behaviors, hypervigilance. For the purpose of research, items focus on symptoms experienced in the past seven days, so really recent symptoms. Then they also looked at depression symptoms. Using the 20-item center for epidemiologic studies depression scale, participants reported on any depressive symptoms occurring in the past week. The total score was used to measure their level of overall depression. So they were looking at all of these things. So the results. So among the 59% of women who reported two or more examples of the unwanted behaviors or stalking behaviors, most reported it occurring to them both online and in person. Victims of unwanted pursuit behavior were also more likely to report being a victim of some form of interpersonal violence, as well as experiencing depression and post-traumatic symptoms. So really heavy stuff. Some big impacts there. Yeah. So now we're just going to keep rolling into statistics. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry, but it's about to get real dark. Yeah. So, just, um, if you need to skip this part, I don't blame you. That's Go okay. get a snack, a beverage, you're fine. Um, 
So, first of all, an estimated 12 to 16% of women and 4 to 7% of men will be stalked in their lifetime. So, we're so starting that. off good. <laughs> starting off good. And of course, it's hard to measure exact statistics for these types of things. So, who knows um, what the actual numbers are, but those are our best projected numbers at the time. Um, the next stats are from the Bureau of Justice. This is the Supplemental Victim Survey that they sent out. Um, so, the Bureau of Justice is a American government bureau for yes <laughs> just clarifying uh that that is a united states thing all of these statistics are focused on the united states because that's what i could find um so your country greece i'm sorry i'm so I didn't sorry check greece. stocking statistics i couldn't find them uh could not find much outside of the states probably just because this is where i am browsing see changes what comes up um but during a 12-month period, an estimated 14 in every thousand persons ages 18 and older were victims of stalking. So about half, specifically 46% of stalking victims, experienced at least one unwanted contact per week, and 11% said they had been stalked for five or more years. Great. So, horrifying. Um... The risk of stalking victimization was highest for individuals who were divorced or separated. That's 34 per 1,000 individuals. Women are at a greater risk um, than men for stalking victimization. However, women and men are equally likely to experience harassment. Uh, males and female stalking victimizations were equally likely to be reported to the police. Male was 37%. Female was 41%. Um, so pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Approximately one in four stalking victims reported some form of cyber stalking, such as email. Is 83% via email, 35% in instant messaging. I would also like to clarify that I could not find a lot of new stats here. So I believe this is from... Okay, let me just double check the year real fast, because... Mm -hmm. The amount, I don't think currently that much stalking happens via email. So, when are these stats from? I'll make this sound so smooth. Yeah, so this was from like the early 2000s. So they're they're kind of old. Um, probably why so much is via email for cyber stalking. I'm guessing social media has probably overtaken email by this point, but that's pure conjecture. I have nothing to back that up. Um, 46% of stalking victims felt fear of not knowing what would happen next. Nearly three in four stalking victims knew their offender in some capacity, and more than half of the victims lost five or more days from work. So a lot are losing work. Um, and I just like to point something out now that is really creepy. Hmm. But it is entirely possible for you to be stalked and be completely unaware of it. Yeah. Um, especially with social media. Like, if your social media is open, and it's not to victim blame anyone who has it open, right? But no. anybody could see it. And if you're posting where you're at... 
It's entirely possible somebody could be checking it and following you, and you may not be aware, especially if it's one of the 20% where it's a stranger. So just something to be cognizant about. This is people who know they're being stalked. There are probably some people who have no idea. Right. It's always possible. Um, now we got some some hot stats from 2006. Woohoo! Seriously, very hard to find recent statistics on this. Which, like, 2006 doesn't sound like that long ago, but it was 14 years ago. Yeah, that's depressing. A bit old, statistically speaking, but not too bad. Um, So this is from the Journal of Forensic Sciences in the Recon Typology of Stalking Reliability and Validity based on a large sample of North American stalkers. Gotta love that large sample of North American stalkers. Um, So two-thirds of stalkers pursue their victims at least once per week, many daily, using more than one method. So again, you don't know how often someone checks your social media. Uh Or if you really does alerts, it's possible to do that on social media as well, to get alerts when somebody posts something new. Yeah, like you can, they could literally get it to their phone every time, like, hey, Lauren just posted something, let's check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, 78% of stalkers use more than one means of approach. Weapons are used to harm or threaten victims in one out of five cases. Almost a third of stalkers have stalked before. Mm-hmm. So, it can be a pattern. Um, that being said, there is lots of treatment available for stalkers with, like, some promising success, so it doesn't always mean that they're going to continue. Certain things can be treated. Right. Um, intimate partner stalkers frequently approach their targets, and their behaviors escalate quickly. So now, and these stats were from 1999, so we're going older that these are the only set of statistics that I could find that covered this piece of information, and I thought it would be irresponsible to not bring this up, talking about the psychology of stalking. Mm -hmm. So this is um, stalking and intimate partner femicide. So femicide is the murder of women. Uh, Recon study of stalkers. So it was from McFarland et al. in 99. Um, So... 76% of intimate partner femicide victims had been stalked by their intimate partners. So, yeah, that doesn't mean that if you're stalked, they're definitely going to murder you, but stalking can be a prerequisite behavior to that. It can come first. Um, 67% had been physically abused by their intimate partner before the stalking and murder took place. Um, and again, this is, these stats are specifically for intimate partner murders. Intimate partner pretty much means anyone you have dated. It doesn't mean like a current spouse. This is usually an ex or someone you're separated from. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I will cover in some of the stories, sometimes stalkers are people that you went on like two dates with. Mm-hmm. Um, so 89% of femicide victims who had been physically abused had also been stalked in the 12 months before their murder. Uh, 79% of abused femicide victims reported stalking during the same time they reported abuse. And this is the stat that I think is the most significant, is 54% of femicide victims in the United States 
reported the stalking to the police before they were killed by their stalkers. Ugh, that's rough. So, this was kind of around... In 99, this was around the same time that they started doing stalking legislature in the States. Um, So, it's tricky to prove. And this is something that I will throw out there is that I am by no means against getting an order of protection. An order of protection can be really helpful, and it means that if you catch them coming near you, they will get arrested for violating the order of protection. So it, it can be important to get. It can be really helpful, but unfortunately... There's the caveat. It's a piece of paper. And... It means that if you see them coming they'll get arrested, it doesn't mean that they will necessarily stop, and it's ultimately not going to directly save you. Well, and the other part that people aren't always aware of is when you get an order of protection, the unfortunate thing is you have to add your address so they know that they can't come close to your house. Now, I believe in Illinois they have recently overturned that. Really? And you're not, yeah, I think in the last training I was doing, you did not in Illinois have to put your home address. In some states you do. Okay. Um, I don't think that's everywhere. I think it's bullshit. Like, I get that they have to know where they can't be, but if they don't already have your home address, it's, it's not safe. Or if you have moved to feel safer and be away from them, obviously you don't want them to have your current address. Right, that would be a problem. Um, so I, I'm gonna, the first part of what I'll tell you what to do if you think you're being stalked, this is directly from RAIN. Yeah, RAIN. Which is an organization that works, helps victims, does a lot of good work, right? I still think that there's potentially other things you need to do on top of this. This is their official recommendations, um, but, these are all good tips, but I think it's also important to acknowledge the step further of, like, you might have to do more mm-hmm. if you genuinely are fearing for your life. For example, if you are privileged enough that you have the resources to get a home security system, I'd strongly consider it if you are being stalked because it will alert you if they're trying to break in, right? right. It's things like that. Like, these are all good tips, But if you genuinely feel like you're in danger, you're probably going to want to do more steps than just these to ensure your immediate physical safety. Exactly. I want to throw that out there. I don't think their tips are bad, but if it's dangerous, you're going to have to step it up a notch. Right. And And it's it's one of those things where everybody's experience is so individualized, too, so it probably would benefit you to work with a therapist to kind of help you develop some safety planning. And identify things that you can do that make you feel safer, which for a lot of stalking victims can be moving. In some cases, changing your name, even though... There are certain things you have to do to change your name that are legally annoying. However, I did find out in Illinois if you, um, so weird thing if you're not from the States, but here when you want to change your name for any reason other than getting married or getting divorced, if you're married, you can just change your name easily with forms. If you're not, you have to go to court and you actually have to 
post the fact that you want to change your name in the newspaper for three consecutive weeks um, to see if anybody says why you can't. Not super sure why you have to do that, but in Illinois, at least, if you feel like you will be in immediate danger, i.e. you are changing your name because you are being stalked, you can waive the need to post it in the newspaper. Because if you're trying to change your name over being stalked and you have to post, hey, I am this person and I want to change my name to this, it really does not do, really does a disservice to that. Um, But even, you know, people might choose to not even legally change their name, but live under an assumed name, stay with family, do other things that you need to ensure your immediate safety. There's a huge spectrum of responses here, but I feel like these are some good first steps um, from Rain on what to do if you feel if you're being stalked. <laughs> Number one, try to avoid the person stalking you. Solid advice. Yes. Um, say, this can be difficult at times, especially if it's close to you or your family. Yeah, that's pretty basic. Try to stay away from them. Um, they're saying, like, email and text messaging. Make it clear that you don't want to hear from them and then do not respond to anything just be like stop texting me don't respond to anything but keep evidence such as text messages voicemails letters packages emails don't respond to anything but keep it all so take screenshots print out emails keep copies as many things as you possibly can because again if you decide to pursue this and take legal action you're going to need to be able to prove it so keep copies of everything um and i would add back up your copies and keep them in multiple places um because depending on the variety of stalker you have they may actively try to get rid of the guy so you just got to keep a lot um just in case anything happens to your devices too like back that up to the cloud yep back it up keep some copies in a file cabinet or something uh, inform family, friends, supervisors, and co-workers of the situation. Tell as many people as you possibly can. It's so important to tell your boss and co-workers, even if it's uncomfortable, because they might come to your work and ask about you, mm-hmm. and you want them to know to not give out any information. Like, if you have pictures of the stalker, show them pictures. Say, like, hey, this person is stalking me. If they ask about me, protect me. Hide me in the back. Say I don't work here. Yeah. Like, do not confirm that I'm here ever. Um, because a lot of times stalkers might have pretty convincing reasons like yeah. oh they're my sister they're my cousin i'm here to surprise them and your coworker, if they don't know any better might be like yeah let me go get her and it could be bad for you so make sure as many people know as possible um and are checking in with you for your safety as much as possible um if you have children establish a code word for your children um that lets them know when they need to leave the house or call the police mm-hmm. I will add on to this, uh, just a general life tip. Pretty good idea to have a code word with your kids that the person that's trying to pick them up is someone that you gave permission to come get them. So that's kind of a popular thing for kids being picked up at school or daycare to have a code word established with their parents. So if something happens, like you're at the police station or something and you need a friend or family member to pick up your kids, you would tell the friend or family member the code word. So when they're like, hey, your mom sent me to pick you up, the kid's going to be like, what is the code word? And they'll be like, orange 
messages and then they'll be like cool my mom actually sent this person i'll get in the car with them um so you obviously need different code words and code words that would not come up in conversation naturally right but that children would understand yep um just an extra safety letter but yeah like having something to tell your kids that they need to call the police is just a good idea in general or if they need to leave the house go to a neighbor do whatever your family safety plan is um it says consider reporting the stalking to your local law enforcement it's always a personal choice on if you want to involve the police or not. Um, that is always your decision as the victim of anything. However, if you do want to get an order of protection or pursue legal action against them for the crime of stalking, you will have to report it to the police. That is just how investigations work in this country at this time. Um, keep a log or journal of all incidences connected to the stalking. So again, in addition to all of the evidence of text messages, voicemails, anything they send you, write it all down. Again, write it all down, back it up, keep it in multiple places of every time you've seen them, every time you've noticed them or anything has happened, just keep it all there. Yeah. Um, and become familiar with computer safety and ways to stay safe online. They have... Uh, they recommend the Stalking Resource Center for RAIN. They do have more information about stalking and safety planning. Again, these are good first steps, but if you believe you're in danger, you're probably going to want to pursue other things in order to ensure your safety. Um, and things with the internet safety, it's probably best to have all of your social media on lockdown mm-hmm. so that people you're not friends with cannot see anything. Um I know all of my stuff is pretty locked down with the exception of my professional Instagram, although I will be fully transparent that I do get creepy messages from dudes fairly regularly on my professional Instagram. It's like, hey, girl, hey. And I'm like, I literally don't even put it's it's just inspirational memes as the <laughs> only thing on there. Uh but, and stuff about the podcast. But Lauren, do you get creepy messages? Every once in a while, yeah. And I just block people right away. Right, instantly block people, but again, unless you are um, a public figure of some sort or you have some compelling reason to leave your social media open, I strongly recommend that everybody keeps it closed all the time, just in case. I mean, not just for the case of stalkers, I just think it's a good idea in general because of internet safety, just gonna throw that out there, general tip. But instead of individual stories today, we're going to talk about media representation of stalking and how ultimately romantic comedies suck. Definitely promote stalking behavior as romantic, (sighs) uh, which we'll get to in a minute. There's actually an entire page on TV tropes, which I did look at quite a bit, um, about the stalking is love. Page. Oh, great examples. I have tons of examples here. I haven't even seen all of these movies. Lauren, maybe you've seen more. But first things first, let's talk about the big one. You. Let us discuss you. And I put this quote on here because I feel like it really hammers home the how problematic romantic comedies are. Mm-hmm. Is there is this scene, and he says it in the book too, but in the TV show, he has broken into this girl's apartment. He is in her shower. She turns on the shower, right? Mm -hmm. So she came home unexpectedly. He's in her shower. She turns on. He's getting covered in water. And he thinks to himself, 
I've seen enough romantic comedies to know good guys like me are always getting into jams like this. Yep. So, <laughs> Lauren, would you like to tell us your thoughts on you? <laughs> sure. And also, where are you? how much of it you've seen? Because there are two seasons, there's a third coming out. That's probably important, too. Yes. So, I've seen all of season one, and I saw the first episode of season two. Okay, um, I've seen five episodes in season two, so I've seen the first season and a half. Okay. So, so. essentially, my thought is this. I feel that although there are definitely parts that definitely give us some insight to the mind of someone like who does stalk, um, and, you know, just really reasonable things to be, like, aware of, I feel like there's also this portion of the show that definitely um, romanticizes stalking. Mm -hmm. Um, They definitely, you know, go out of their way to make sure the guy who does the stalking is, like, a literal model, which, you know, for a lot of people, like, that is just, like, not the case. You know, they're just, like, not attracted to the person, like, whatsoever. Um, And the thing is, all right, Penn Bagley is super hot. He's a right. smack, I believe, as the, as the, as youth, the youth say. say yeah. He is a, he is a legit snack, okay? We're not gonna deny that. Like, um, some people would be like, yes, Penn Badgley, hang out at my house. Like, it's just, it, it's <laughs> not helpful. Yes. Um, I will say it definitely romanticizes it. it but, and I've heard, like, a lot in, like, comments on articles about girls totally falling for it and, like, feeling bad for him. And I think the thing is, it's heavily romanticized because it's through his point of view. And you need to understand that when you watch that. Like, none of this is romantic. It's not positive. Not positive. But because he is a... um scrolling up for the name of it um because he's an intimacy seeker stalker he romanticizes it and so that was kind of my take is that because it's through his perspective he genuinely believes that everything he's doing is right that this girl is the one for him that he's just protecting her and that this all makes sense to do Mm -hmm. But some people are definitely interpreting him as a sympathetic character, which is problematic and not helpful. Right. And I think just like I said, kind of like even the choice of like actor like portraying it, like I think that naturally is going to like confuse people where they're like, oh gosh, like why wouldn't she want to like date him? Like, you know, where it kind of turns into almost like a victim blaming sort of a thing. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's helpful. I think it makes it even more confusing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't, so that's like my first thing. Um, mm-hmm. and then I think too, um, it's just, <laughs> they definitely, um, I'm trying to think of the word. They definitely like, cause it's a show, um, exaggerate like certain things that like definitely like would not happen Mm -hmm. um so like 
I don't want to spoil anything if people are watching the show, so I'll be careful. But just, you know... There's lots of spoilers in the media representation part, so, like, it is what it is. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, just, you know, like, yeah, no one's going to notice. He has, like, a cage system at his work. No one's going to notice that her best friend dies, and, like, no one can figure that out. Like, it's just, like... Very bizarre. It really is. I mean, it's obviously dramatized. For TV, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if like bookstores do have a temperature controlled room for old books. Like that would kind of make sense for old and rare books that they're taken care of in a different way. I highly doubt that they look like that. Yep. Um, the show kind of explains it by the person that adopted the character just being a fucking monster who locked him in the cage when he was a child. Um, so he was probably a serial killer, too. I don't know. Also, the character in you is straight up a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Just like to point that out as well. Um, not all stalkers are serial killers, but he is strongly both... With where I'm at, I think his death count is up to, like, eight people. Mm-hmm. So, dramatized. I don't think he would get... Like, I don't think he's smart enough to get away with all of this. He's just lucky. Absolutely. And and that's yeah. the thing, is, like, you know, in reality, like, it probably would never, like, get to that point for the majority of stalking victims where, like, they're trapped in a cage or, like, murdered or whatever... But the the beginning pieces of it, of, like, tracking her on social media and showing up where she is, like, that stuff is valid and, you know, just something to be aware of. Right. And even, like, how they meet in the first season of, like, she just comes into the bookstore where he works and they have, like, a pretty normal meet-cute interaction, right? Like, they talk to each other, they flirt a bit. He, if he was a normally functioning person, probably could have just asked her out. Yeah. And been like, hey, you seem cool. Do you want to have a drink with me? And then she could either say yes or no, and they could move on to it, right? Yep. But even his perception of, like, like what I like about it, I do like that the fact that it is from his perspective. I do, too. haunting. But even, like, his thoughts during that of, like, she paid with a credit card, so she wanted me to know her name. Yeah, where it's like... I have... Oh. Where, like, I usually pay with a card even if I have cash. Yep. I often save cash for, like, I don't know if I'm going to, like, a farmer's market or someplace where you can only pay cash, right? Like, I don't, like, I just don't pay cash that often. It doesn't, but, like, the way that he's reading meaning into everything, I think is pretty accurate for the intimacy-seeking stalkers, where it's so, like, she has to be in love with me. She's doing this because she's in love with me. She's talking about me. Like, it's It's little pieces that they find ways to fit it into their delusion. Right, and so he definitely is delusional, um, and I agree with you. I think that some of the the plot line is not super realistic. I 100% he think, think he would have been caught in the first yeah. season. Like, 100% don't think there's any way that could have gone down in the way it went down without him getting caught, mm-hmm. um, but I do still think it's a well-done 
it is well done. It's a really well done show. Yeah. And it is, he is such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like, he's genuinely scary, and, like, that's good. So, like, it's it's a well-acted show. The plots are unrealistic, but his running narrative of why he's doing things can be enlightening about the way that that type of stalker would think of, like, I can't let anything get in the way of our relationship. Right. Um, at the same time, I don't know how common it is for people to date people who had been previously stalking them but again you might not know and i know it does happen i'm just not sure how I've common seen a that reddit is right about that um i don't I know if it's too. real or not yeah um but i've seen some things of like people saying that they found out that the person that they're dating did stalk them before and that's how they got so close to them is because they like found out all this information beforehand and, like, followed them to figure out what they liked so they could, like, be the person they thought the other person wanted. Which is unnecessary. Manipulative. So, yeah, I don't know how often that happens, but I do think that his, like, running narrative is enlightening yeah. in the way that some predators do things. And it's important, like, in the context of that show, like, as you're watching it, because I even caught myself, like, feeling bad for him or, like, empathizing with him at certain points. But at the same time, you have to remember, like, this is somebody who is totally violating somebody's boundaries in every sense, yeah. and that is not okay. Right. And, and I also think the thing is, like, there can be some cases, like, you can feel empathy for someone without approving of their actions like with some of the serial killers that we've covered who were like brutally abused in their childhood like i feel for child abuse victims across the board yeah but that doesn't mean that like it's like oh they were it's like oh he was locked in a cage as a child (laughs) the pigs have feelings about this (laughs) The pigs think that people are wrongly romanticizing uh-huh. Joe Goldberg. They are strong feminist pigs and they are not here for it. Yeah. Um, but you can, it doesn't excuse right. the behavior it, at all. And like, yeah, he was locked in a cage and it's sad. And the more I've learned about his childhood, it's like, okay, he had a really sad childhood. Nonetheless, he decided to take that childhood into repeatedly stalking and killing a bunch of people. And, like, yeah, like, he should have gone to therapy. He tried, though, to be fair. I mean, he didn't, though. Yeah. (laughs) He went to therapy. He didn't try for therapy. Yes, he was lying about a lot of stuff. And his therapist was smoking pot, which you cannot do. No, you can't. Um,. It's kind of funny, according to the National Association of Social Workers, because um, as marijuana is becoming legal in more and more states and medical marijuana is legal, they had to release a letter on their official stance on marijuana in social workers. So I get this email and it's like, can social workers smoke weed? And I'm like, this is one hell of a handout because yeah. usually it's just like the legal issues of tele. And it's not. It was like a good title. So I'm reading through it. And specifically, are therapists allowed to make choices and indulge in substances on their own time? Yes. However, doing it in session or talking to a client about it will absolutely result in the loss of your license 100% instantly. Um, 
yeah, you're not allowed to do any mind-altering substances with clients or while you're working. Right. So the fact that he's just lighting Open up a joint and he's, he said he had early onset glaucoma and that it made him a much better listener. Like, no. <laughs> it's like shitty therapist 101. Yeah. Just feel like I have to get high to listen to you. That's not good therapy. It's an ethical dilemma. It's not even a dilemma. That's just unethical. Like, report him immediately. Yeah. Um, although, man, they... John Stamos, am I right? John Stamos. Guys. Snacks on snacks. Snacks on snacks. Uh, the females also, everybody's ridiculously attractive in their yeah, show. Very, like, across the board. Very, very stunning. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, look at all these hot people with all these problems. Also, there's a character named Peach. <laughs> Love that. I just can't. <laughs> Peach. Peach. Like, not even, like, Peach is just, I'm really sorry if any of you are named Peach. I don't if you are, reveal yourself. Please tell us if you like your name or not. Um, but it, there's good and bad to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it is creepy, massive trigger warnings for murder and, like, just weird sex scenes. There's a lot of weird sex scenes. Yeah. Like, they all have, like, an underlying creepiness to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're gratuitous. There's so many. <laughs> many, many. Every, it's it's excessive. But just keep that in mind that, like, there are some things that are really, like, psychologically the way that he thinks about things make sense, but his actions are not realistic. And at what point during the first season do you think realistically he would have been caught? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Um... I don't know. Like, I'm I'm even thinking about, like, the shower scene part. Right. Where it's, like, like, you know when, like, someone's, like, in your area. You can literally see him through the curtain. <laughs> right. In the shot. Like, you can see the shadow. And, okay, I don't know about you guys. I don't know. I have never turned on a shower without looking No. Who does that? Like, I have never just reached in. That's and turned scary. it on. Like I open the curtain and turn it on. So yeah, I think realistically, right then he would have. Right then, pretty straightforward. Also, I think Peach for sure. Oh, if for he sure. didn't get caught, then I don't think there's any way. Because that was in broad daylight. It wasn't in broad daylight, and also they like openly disliked each other. Mm -hmm. So he would be a suspect. And when somebody dies suspiciously and they have an enemy, the enemy is going to be talked to. Um, And he was by a private investigator and like, I I don't know, I just, there's a lot where like, I feel like he could have gotten, he should have gotten caught. So, even with that one guy, the first guy. Yeah. There's so many times he realistically would have been caught. Right. And, like, really, at the bookstore, you don't hear anything. Like, get real. Is it sound? Like, you said the basement's soundproof, and I'm like, that's so suspicious. Yeah, like, okay. I don't know. Yeah. So, it's an interesting show. There it is. It's entertainment, but, like, 
just remind yourself that it's not super realistic, and he is not like a dark brooding guy who needs a like if if he had a thing for Penn Badgley, by all means, go right ahead. As far as I know, he's not a terrible person. Right. But do not crush on Joe Goldberg. No. Pro- if you are, process that. Talk to your therapist about what, that. What's going on, right? Um, because I always say, like, trauma and underlying mental illness, it can explain behaviors, but it doesn't excuse behaviors. I agree. It can be good context for how things happen, but it's not like, oh, it's okay. With the exception of cases like, we talked about last time the Slenderman case. Right. In that case, schizophrenia does like it, it kind of it doesn't a hundred percent excuse it, but it provides more context because if somebody doesn't understand reality, it can go further. Um, but like having a traumatic childhood does not justify stalking and murdering a bunch of people. Correct. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so even this is joinonelove.org just talking about movies that normalize stalking um, I'm going to give you a direct quote because I like the way that they word it um, therein lies the problem people who perceive stalking and gaslighting as romantic and the victims as hard to get do so without critically considering the implication of these behaviors this apparent normalization of inappropriate behaviors may dissuade someone from turning to the authorities when they experience stalking behavior in real life to help you see how stalking is often normalized in popular movies, TV shows, and novels, we put together a list of examples that portray unhealthy behavior and infatuation and love. Yeah. So we're just gonna go through some things that are problematic, that are portrayed as romantic. Again, I haven't seen all these movies. Um, the Notebook, I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, I had a massage therapist that told me the entire plot of The Notebook right after it came out, even though I'm like, could you stop? And she just told me the whole thing, so I really had no interest in seeing it. But, from what I'm told, Noah just keeps asking Allie out and threatens to kill himself if she doesn't go through when he's on the Ferris wheel, and everyone's like, ah, it's fine. It's like, no, he's literally like, go out with me or I'll kill myself. Big red flag. Like, massive, massive, massive red flag. Again, you ask somebody out, they can say yes or no. If they say yes, you date them. If they say no, you drop it. Unless they say, I want to date you, but I can't right now for this, this, or this reason. Right. Unless they explicitly say that. If they're like, no, thank you, you just have to be like, cool, thought I'd ask. Yep, that's it. Move past it. Uh, Twilight. I've never seen Twilight. Never seen Twilight. I have seen Twilight. Edward breaks into Bella's house to watch her sleep. Very creepy. Very Regularly, stalkering. she wakes up before they're even dating. And one night she wakes up and he's just like there. And she's like, ah, so romantic. Not romantic. I would no. piss myself. So there's that. I would too. So, not yeah, creepy. That's stalking. The Graduate. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. The Graduate? Okay, I have not either. I know the plot, though, but so I'm taking heavily from this article right now, uh, which, again, that article is joinonelove.org, five movies that normalize stalking in real life. Um, Elizabeth is repulsed to find out Ben had an affair with her mother, as she should be, um, forbids him from seeing her again. So she found out he had an affair with the mom. She's like, nah, never talk to me again. 
instead of respecting her wishes, he follows her to college, shows up uninvited on several occasions, he stalks her on a date with another man, and they point out this is similar to how stalking happens in real life, um, by intimate or formal partners. What's worse is in the end, his behavior is rewarded, she leaves her fiancé at the altar in favor of him. So, not good. Like, viewers are left to believe it's a grand romantic gesture and that relentlessly pursuing the woman goes well. Um, I don't know if you want to read some sure. of these or yeah, if you I'll, want I'll me to keep going. I don't care one. either way. Um, Love actually never saw this. Have you? Oh, you haven't seen? Yes, I have. Okay. Mark uh, again. loves Juliet. Creepy wedding video. <laughs> I really did not put this makes sense <laughs> i'm gonna add some words okay because <laughs> i wrote that for me uh my bad sorry That's okay. so love actually mark loves juliet who's his best friend's wife and he takes a bunch of pictures at their wedding and their video is ruined so juliet's like ah i need to see you were taking video our video was like ruined i want to see what you have and every single picture is like a weird close-up of her face it's the only thing he recorded was her which is creepy okay like as someone who recently got married i can verify lots of people take pictures of the bride because we look amazing right i mean yes but my husband wasn't most of the pictures <laughs> that were like I did there were not a ton of pictures that people took or videos people are taking they're just like weird close-ups right That'd like be that's problematic. strange and it's like in the first dance and then the vows like her husband is never in them it's like cropped so it's just her um and then he shows up at her place to confess his love on like cards yeah and then she kisses him but then stays married to his best friend. Like, Dope. none of that is okay. No. None of this is okay. So then <laughs> there's there's Say Anything, which we know. I have not seen this Okay. One. Dude shows up so. unwanted with a boombox. Obviously showing up unannounced. Not good. Ten things I hate about you. Love this movie. Have always thought it was creepy. That I do. I absolutely love the movie, but... <laughs> Always thought it was creepy that Cameron learned just enough French to tutor a girl he likes and hiring a guy to date her sister. Very problematic. Right. Super problematic. Um, yeah. The whole, like... It's like creating an elaborate excuse for a meet-cute instead of just... Like, he could have easily just tried to get to know her in a way that's not manipulative um and then hiring a guy to date her sister because the dad won't let the younger sister date unless the older sister is dating which is also weird very strange (laughs) also strange then Uh, there's good i like the movie i do but it is creepy uh there's something about mary love that movie too um obviously ben stiller that's his name, right? Yeah. He hires a PI to track down his prom date. Very creepy. Very creepy. And it's actually like a running joke in the movie that he is not the only guy that's stalking her. Yeah. There are lots of guys that are stalking her. Um, and it's like, ha ha ha, this woman has so many stalkers. And like also hiring a private investigator to track down somebody that you went on one date with years ago is always creepy. Always. Always. 
Uh, do you want? Have you seen Crazy Stupid? Love? I have not. So in Crazy Stupid Love, the son has a crush on his babysitter. Oh. Um, and it's so creepy. So the crush has a son on the babysitter. The babysitter has a crush on the dad. Um, but the son continuously like asks out the babysitter and harasses her. Um, and keeps sending, and she keeps telling him to stop because he's making her uncomfortable. Um, but it's presented as romantic, and at the end of the movie, she had taken a bunch of naked pictures of herself. She's a teenage girl. She is a minor to give to the dad because she's in love with the dad. But in the end, she decides to. Oh no! Zoom dropped. She decides to give them to the son as like a graduation present so she's literally giving nudes to a minor which is creepy um let's see if we can get zoom back to record the end of this okay so unfortunately zoom has crashed on us um so i'm just gonna finish up lauren and i cannot get back connected we're so sorry about this so this is just gonna be a megan end of the episode y'all are stuck with me um my bad but you know other examples like in tv show there's crazy ex-girlfriend um where i i do love the show it doesn't really it, it does a good job i think of wrapping it up that it's unhealthy but you know josh realizes that rebecca has always been there for him and falls in love even though she's done tons and tons of creepy stuff. Um, one thing I do appreciate about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is that they do wrap it up and she does go through acknowledging that her behavior is problematic, which we don't see in a lot of media um, where people really own up to their unhealthy behavior and go with that. So... That's kind of an overview on the first part of our stalking episode and about the stalkers themselves. So a couple things to plug. Number one, you can follow us on our Facebook page, Spooky Psychology St. Charles. You can follow Lauren's professional Insta, Lauren Malika, M-O-L-L-I-C- <laughs> I think it's Lauren underscore Malika, M-O-L-L-I-C-A, L-M-F-T. You can follow my professional Insta at Megan Baker, L-C-S-W. We have a Patreon if you are willing and able to give us some money to help us support the podcast. That would be so great. Please remember to share us with all of your friends, like and subscribe us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review us. We love seeing reviews coming in. And if you have a stalking experience that you would like shared on our next episode, please go ahead and message it to me, Megan, at either on my Instagram or on the Facebook page, and I will be happy to read through it and possibly add you in to the next episode um so yeah thanks so much for and uh, for being spooky with us have a good day you guys